podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 14 teams in the Big 12 Conference, the flagship show of the 1012 Podcast Network. You can find every show on the network at 1012network.com. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us for this week's kind of surprise episode. I hadn't originally planned to do an episode this week. Big 12 Media Days gets underway Wednesday in Arlington, Wednesday and Thursday. First time all 14 teams, head coaches, players from the teams will be together. We're going to get a lot of information. I cannot wait to see what comes out of Arlington. From coaches, from players, from Brett Yormark, what does he have up his sleeve? Uh, but in anticipation of Media Days, I had an opportunity to get a guest that I love having on the show, Ari Temkin, Big 12 Radio, to break down our Big 12 preseason team, our thought on the Big 12 preseason poll, who we had picked, uh, who was our starting quarterback, a lot of different topics to discuss with Ari. So I wanted to get this out before Big 12 Media Days. We will not have an episode afterward. Just just take it all in, because this is the like unofficial kickoff of the season to me. It's once we get media days, it's time for that ball to start rolling, because the season is coming fast. So I won't take up any more of your time other than to say, don't forget, outfit your head with last stand hats this season. Incredible stuff. If you're a Texas, Texas Tech, TCU, or Oklahoma State fan, they've got other schools from Texas as well. But if you're a fan of one of those four Big 12 schools, they are the place for you to go. Go to laststandhats.com. Check out the incredible selection that they have. Don't forget to use that promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2, for 10% off your order. I'll be rocking a Last Stand Hats this season on my head. Good Oklahoma State options. So if you're a Cowboy or Cowgirl fan, go there. Check it out, lastandhats.com. Ari Temkin, always appreciate having him on the show. Don't forget to check out every show at 1012network.com. Oh, by the way, Scott and Holman podcast, the Houston show for the 1012 Network, will be in Arlington, so make sure you're following them on social media. Make sure you check out their podcast. They will have coverage from Arlington. They're going to do an incredible job. I'm, I'm thrilled for the four schools incoming. This is going to be such a fun couple days. Like it's just, it just is. And it's going to be fun all the way through the weekend because there's going to be content coming out from everybody all weekend long. So enjoy this. Don't forget to check out our YouTube. We'll be back with a new episode again next week. Two episode weeks coming in August. It's getting closer. Let's get to it. I'm Sam and I co-host the Scott Holm podcast, the known universe's first Houston Cougar Sports podcast. Every week, even during the off season, my co-host Dustin and I come on and talk everything current as it relates to the Cougs, and every so often, we'll bring on UH luminaries like Carl Lewis, Kellen Sampson, and a number of other fantastic Cougar voices, and as proud members of the 1012 Network, we also find the time to talk about our future conference and future opponents in the Big 12 as well. If all of that sounds even a little bit interesting to you, we would love it if you subscribe to the Scott Holm Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else you put podcasts in your ears. That's podcast spelled P-A-W-D cast because the two of us hosting the show are nothing if not big dork so thank you and go Cougs. big 12 media days gets underway this week in arlington let's see it is in arlington it's the star now it used to be i don't remember where it is now no it's at&t it's still arlington is yeah it's okay what yeah. do you put at the star 
That's the, oh, that's um, the yeah, the, the pro, day. Uh, pro day. Thank you. I was looking, that's I kept thinking true. of training camp, but no, yeah. Pro day is at the star now, oh, which you actually, you got me kind of excited. I live in North Dallas. So the star would be great. I'd love for big 12 media days to be at the star. It, Hate like not to drive out to Arlington to do it. I get why they do it at AT&T stadium, but it would make so much more sense at the star. Cause AT&T stadium, you have all this space and you use it's too much space. It's, it's, it's weirdly too big. It looks bare. Yeah. You know, like you would just look more impressive in a smaller space. Correct. It would look fuller and, and more, like more people are, you know, there, which is helpful. And I, I do think, okay, the voice you're hearing right now, if you're listening to this in podcast form and not watching on YouTube, that is Ari Temkin of Big 12 Radio. Uh, absolute friend of the pod. Ari, welcome back, sir. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Sorry for jumping out of turn there, buddy. No, it's fine. It's fine. I, I'm good at this. This is this is how we roll, you and I. Uh, no, just the star would make a lot of sense to do more things there and make it look fuller. Now, I do like that. It's a lot more sense for me, and I know that well, they're concerned you. with that, too. Yeah, you are a very uh, – number, like, at least number five on your <laughs> most, most important list. I, I will say this. Having all 14 teams there for both days – does make a lot of sense with the size you have. Like I realize that there are certain days set for the, they will speak here and there, but they're all going to be there for two days, which I think opens up a little bit more because the problem is like you have the media for one team. They're there for day one and then not day two. And so having more people there for both days makes it look fuller. I think it could be a positive. Again, we're not going to be there this year. Uh, Look, I got three kids and I love them. And I was, it was make my three-year-old daughter sad that she, that dad is not going to Bluey live with her, uh, that she doesn't actually know about yet or go to Big 12 media days. And I chose my kids and my wife, um, over the big 12. Sorry. It's, it's like my third love. Let's just talk. Bluey's, Bluey's a classic show, by the way. That's a great it's, show. It is an incredible show <laughs> between the episodes that are absolutely hilarious. And the ones where right at the end, they find some way to emotionally stab you right in the <laughs> I was just gonna watch this before my kids go to bed, but now nah, I'm okay. All right, it's a cartoon. It's cool. It's fine. It's not. I'm not crying at all. Um, <laughs> I'm more emotional since I had kids, and I think like I'm more emotional because I have three daughters. I don't know. I, I feel like that's. I think that's scientifically accurate. Uh, I think there's that, actual that does, science. Yeah, that's there's like, science. Speaking of, speaking of science, that's uh, that's what we're here to talk about today. Specifically, the science uh, science of uh, of picking the Big Twelve preseason media team and poll. Uh, so Ari, of course, was a voter, a media poll voter, as were uh, as were we. I I did it. The ten twelve network submitted a ballot, uh, and by the ten twelve network, I mean me personally. Uh, we were going to start with the team, but Ari, um, we have to lead off with this because you let this nugget fly on Twitter, and everyone hasn't heard that you're the culprit just yet. Uh, one person gave Oklahoma State a first place vote in the preseason ballot. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that is Mr. Ari Timkin. We're very happy to have him here to discuss that. Look, I am a I, I love the Big 12, but I bleed uh, America's brightest orange as an Oklahoma State fan. And even I felt too ambitious. Was a bit aggressive? Was a bit aggressive? Having them, having them fifth in my <laughs> You have them number one. So, uh, and this is not like, it, look, like the, if anyone's like, I saw people going on Twitter like, hey, but that person should have their vote revoked. And I'm yeah. like, shut, like, what? <laughs> then, then everyone should because no one's gotten anything right hardly at all for the last 
10 years outside of when Oklahoma won the Big 12 for eight years in a row. Other than that, like, who'd you put second? They didn't make it. They probably finished seventh. So, like, who cares? Uh, but I, I am curious your mindset behind Oklahoma State at number one. Yeah, I mean, we're people were really fired up about it, especially, like, we're not even picking, like, an MVP or a Heisman finalist here, you know? Like, this is just – I thought this was fun. I thought we were supposed to have a little fun in the preseason, but that's what we were doing. Um, but yeah, I was the one who picked Oklahoma state to win the conference. And, you know, I mean, look, is it based in much scientific research? No, I mean, not at all, but what it's based on is the fact that this is a league of parody. It's been a league of parody. It will continue to be a league of parody. Two years ago, we saw two win Baylor win the conference after having two conference wins the previous season. Last year, we saw TCU go to the national championship game and lose to a K-State team in the Big 12 championship that nobody expected to be there. Nobody expected TCU to be there. Nobody expected K-State to be there. So I was looking for a surprise team. I believe there's going to be another surprise team that is going to win a Big 12 championship this season. That was my task, was identifying who that surprise team is. Look, 41 of the 60-some-odd media members that voted in this poll selected Texas to be their Big 12 champion. And there's many questions surrounding Texas. Is there in anybody else? Maybe not as many as Oklahoma State, but I went with coaching. Now, granted, you might be listening to this and t- saying, what do you mean? Mike Gundy's only won one Big 12 championship. Yeah, but I'm talking about a coach that's never had a losing season. I'm talking about a coach that has seven plus 10 win seasons on his docket. He's the only coach, I think, in this entire conference. You guarantee is going to be a successful uh, coach this year and is going to gu- guarantee they're going to be successful this year. And that's the reason why I picked him. Now, I went a little bit further than that. I do like Alan Bowman being back in the big 12. I think he's learned a ton sitting for the last two years. I think he was in an offense at Michigan that didn't play to his strengths. And that's why he didn't play at Michigan. I think he's back in a, a team that leverages his strengths. We could sit here and say, well, if he's healthy, but I mean, we'd say that about everybody, if everybody's healthy, you know? So I, it's obviously a big question mark, but um, I think Bowman and Presley, it's a great you know, quarterback wide receiver dynamic. Um, and I'm buying what they do defensively. So Look, I'm taking a leap of faith. I'm certainly in the, the minority here. I guess I thought there would be more variety in the teams that were being picked to win the conference from those that cover the conference because we've seen the last two years major surprise teams. And what last two years tells us is Texas is not winning the conference this year. The point is not invalid. Uh, I think we all who vote, it's, it's, we, we want to feel like we got it right or did our best job of, of getting it right. But the, to that, to that that's different things. Again, Texas got 41. Kansas State got 14, first place votes. Oklahoma got four. Texas Tech got four. TCU got three. And OSU got one. And to your point, like we keep hammering this. Like Since the Big 12 title game came back in 2017, here's where every team not named Oklahoma was picked in the preseason poll who made it to the championship game. In order, fifth, fourth, sixth, fourth, fourth, eighth, fifth, and seventh. The last two years, it's fourth, eighth, fifth, and seventh in the preseason poll. So someone between, based off of history, tech, two of Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma State, and UCF are going to be in the Big 12 championship game. Right, not Texas, right. not Kansas State, not Oklahoma. And so like the idea of picking an outlier, this is why people get upset about it. I'm like, wh- why? Like, it's, it's a valid argument and a valid reason to say, I wanted to pick somebody that, based off of history at, Oklahoma, uh, at, at the Big 12, because it's about – development cycles and this and that it makes a lot of sense to pick cool. somebody like an oklahoma state that's why i have no problem with four people picking texas tech even if they're a darling it's why i don't people pick three people picking tcu they finished fifth because people are all over the map with them but like if somebody had picked kansas and put a vote on kansas it wouldn't have shocked me like i don't i don't i don't understand the vitriol 
I'm just always interested in like the reasoning. The vitriol's dumb. It's a preseason poll. Like, right. are you slighted? Right, right. Like, and it's not, again, this isn't a vote of substance where we're giving out an award where people get really upset if somebody wins the award or somebody voted for somebody that shouldn't have won the award. Like, I get that. But this is just a preseason poll. And some of it has to do with, you know, one, yeah, guessing on certain things. And then also, like, I picked Bedlam for the Big 12 championship this year. I picked Oklahoma number two in my poll because that's what I want to see. I think that'd be fantastic. I think that'd be best case scenario for the conference. Best case scenario for the conference is Oklahoma State beating Oklahoma and Bedlam in the Big 12 championship game. I think that's the best case scenario for the conference. Um, and so that's what I went with. But like anybody that, that looks at Texas, that looks at OU, that looks at K-State and says like, these are flawless teams. They should certainly be one, two, three. And there's no question about it. Like, no, absolutely not. I mean, there's major questions. I would say of those three teams, the team that has least questions would probably be K-State. But we have question marks about the coachability of of Steve Sarkeesian. There's certainly question marks about Brett Venables after the six-win season in year one for him at OU um, and the defense that they had last year. It's going to be improved, but how much? So, yeah. And then the other thing, and I think you and I were talking about this, we're texting about this, Phil. Like, people, do people realize not everybody plays everybody this year? And Oklahoma State's schedule is really easy relative to the rest of the league. And that was a big part of this as well is like, I looked at this and said, who's, who's the coach I trust? Who's the coach I can count on? Oh, by the way, like Oklahoma state schedule is really easy relative to some of these other teams in the conference. I posted this on threads. You get, you know, threads now. It's just, I don't think based off things that I'm seeing people say based off of the poll that came out, I don't think enough fans have wrapped their head around the fact that you have unbalanced schedules. Yes. It's the first time we've dealt with this. Since 20, 2009, 2010? No, nine. Because 10, you had 10 and 11. You had, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. 10 and 11. So, like, it's not the same. Strength of schedule does matter. It's why uh, when the, I went on a West Virginia show uh, last week, and he asked me, like, why did you have West Virginia last? Because that was his whole question. Like, we see all these people at West Virginia pick last. Why are these people picking West Virginia behind the four newcomers? It's because they have the most difficult schedule in the Big 12, especially if yeah. you include the non-conference, if you're having to go to Penn State and play Pitt. Right. Like, that's the first three weeks of the season. Like, that's going to beat you up. Plus, you have Texas Tech and TCU who were picked. Right. Few teams have, have so, a game as hard as Pitt or Penn State. One of those, let alone both of them. I, uh, Texas, yes, they have to play Alabama. And yes, the teams and where they're picked in the preseason poll are difficult. Texas leaves the state of Texas twice all year. Once to go to Bama, once to go to Iowa State. Oklahoma State has the easiest schedule. They do, they do. The two most the two highest ranked teams they face in Kansas State and Oklahoma, they get at home. They don't play Texas. They don't play TCU. They don't play uh, Texas Tech. They get UCF on the road. But, like, they have an easy schedule. Plus, you throw in a non-con where they play Arizona State. Um, I can't believe I forget which FCS team. And South Alabama. And South Alabama might be the, the most difficult non-conference game they have. And that's well, actually a compliment to South Alabama, the defense they play. Like, they, their schedule sets up for them to have a good year. And let's all be honest nine and three this year is probably going to get you in the big 12 championship game and there's going to be a tiebreaker scenario like I, it bold prediction there are three teams at nine and three and tiebreaker decides which one goes to the big 12 championship game yeah i think you're right i don't think that's that outrageous the other part of their schedule too that i love for oklahoma state is like they get i think their final five games including all four of the newcomers in ou but like their final three games are all three newcomers and like I would rather play the new teams at the end of the season than the beginning of the season, because I think one of the biggest things and issues they're going to face as a new power five is depth because, you know, 11 on 11, 
they're going to match up very well. All these programs are going to match up with other Big 12 programs. It's the depth, though, of a Power 5 Big 12 program that I think will ultimately be the reason why all of those newcomers finish at the bottom of the conference. It's going to be hard to keep up with these teams through depth. It's the reason why a lot of teams struggle with Georgia, Ohio State, because they just they, – they just, they're just operating at a much higher level. Now, obviously, I'm not comparing Georgia and Ohio State's recruiting to the Big 12s, but it still stands in terms of the Big 12s recruiting consistently at a high level with more depth than the rest of those newcomers. So the fact that they have – and then, and then the other part of this is the difficulty of playing, you know, power five game week in and week out. Like, that's the part I think that's hardest to transition into. And when you're used to playing, like, you get a few breaks here or there. You get a two-win USF team when you're in the American. You get – bottom feeders that help you week in and week out. That's just not the case in, in, in the big 12. You've got power five opponents on five, six days rest. And so that's going to be Oklahoma state. Boom, boom, boom. Three straight games down the stretch to play those three teams. Yeah. I, I, I can't find the stat in my phone, so I'm going to try and remember it as best as I can. Um, the stat is basically, if you look back to the last time we had major realignment of people, TCU, West Virginia joined the big 12. The first yep. two years were not were fine and not great, but they were bad at the back half of the schedule. I think both teams went two and four in the back six in year one and one and five in the back six in year two. Because I'm not saying that Cincinnati, West Virginia, Houston, and BYU do not have power five quality starters on that roster. The question is the two and three days when injuries right. happen and late into the season. That you are you are dead on with I want to play the newcomers in the back half of the year. That should give the eight or the 10 remaining big 12 schools an advantage in that situation. Now, the thing I want to ask you about, and this is the thing I don't think anyone can answer, but it's the thought that keeps going through my mind is how do we use historical data like that with these four teams? When you have a, an unbalanced schedule as opposed to a round Robin B college football today looks so drastically different than it did back in 2011 when those news teams were coming in because you have two years to prepare, two full years, including a full recruiting cycle that they didn't have. And you have the transfer portal, immediate eligibility, and NIL to help you bolster your roster in a way you did not back then. Yeah. So do does that benefit the four schools coming in to be more prepared than TCU and West Virginia were when they joined the Big 12 back a decade or so ago? I mean, I think in terms of like, hey, here's the evidence that suggests new teams struggle in new conferences. And it goes beyond just the Big 12. I mean, there's mm -hmm. evidence, you know, from the Pac-12, the SEC, and on and on and on, um, you know, that supports this. I mean, I think that's fair. You know, I mean, certainly these circumstances are different. You know, there's also something that I'm sure you're familiar with from Bud Elliott called the blue chip ratio, which basically says, like, do you have our um, 50% of your recruits over the last four recruiting cycles, four stars or higher blue chip prospects. Basically what history suggests is if you don't have 50% of your roster of four or five star recruits over the last four recruiting periods, you can't win a national championship because history suggests that. Well, what about moving forward? Is that changed now because of this, you know, the rules that you're talking about, is this changed now because of the transfer portal? Is it changed now because of NIL? I, I don't know. I mean, TC went to the national championship last year and wasn't in the blue chip ratio and, very few teams have even gotten that far um, not being there. So I think there are a lot of trends and things that we can think about historically in this sport that I don't know that they stand up in the modern era. What I will say though, is despite that, I think of all the teams, just looking at the combination of, you know, of the roster, UCF is probably the most big 12 like 
and I know like that's a lot of people have been talking about that. I'm not the only, I'm not the first person to say that. They're the most prepared to join the Big 12 currently because I think they've got an experienced quarterback. But but I think this depth thing is a big part of it too. I would say just look at the makeup of the roster. They've got greater depth along their roster than any of these other rosters, independent of the other things and other factors that could make them successful year one of the Big 12. But Cincinnati basically is an entirely new offense. That's going to be very, very difficult. It's the reason why I have Cincinnati 14th in this conference. Let me tell you something. I don't think West Virginia is going to be very good this year. I guarantee you they're not going to finish 14th in this conference. Um, now, I had them 13th, but I, I think we're looking at Houston, Cincinnati, and BYU all finishing in the bottom three of this league. I mean, I, I, I don't – I don't necessarily disagree. I had West Virginia last year because I just, I, I have also a big question on quit factor with West Virginia of sure. Yeah. If Neil Brown is fired early in the season or at some point midway through, like how does that impact the rest of the year? And the fact that they won five, they won five games last year because they were able to beat up or beat barely a just absolutely limping to the finish line, Oklahoma state team to get that. Right. Win. Right. Like, that was a four win team. Um, I just like, I, there's still way too many question marks, but I, I get the point of like West Virginia has is the only other school along with Oklahoma state to get all four newcomers on the schedule. And so maybe that does help them out. I just, in a year where Neil Brown's seat is so, so hot, like does that, is that going to matter? Because like, great. Maybe he finds a way to work off six wins. Like I just, I, West Virginia's got, is just a whole different thing. And so many things can, can dive bomb that season. I mean, just again, you lose, you start one and two losing to Penn State and, and Pitt. Maybe one and three losing to Texas Tech to start Big 12 play. Like, you got an interim by week six. And so I have no idea. To the point, you said you have UCF the highest. That's not shocking. And, and then you have the other three lowest. I just, like, long term, I'll ask this and I want to talk about the, uh, about your, your preseason team. Long term, do you feel like UCF is the team to have the highest ceiling in the Big 12 or is it somebody else? I actually think it should be Houston. Uh, it should be Houston for a few reasons. Number one, uh, Houston has the backing. You know, Tillman Fertitta is willing to fund a pretty, you know, expensive football program. So, you know, it starts there. Do you have the money behind the resources to potentially build it up? And they do. And then, I mean, it's Houston, Texas. So, I mean, you're pulling from an insane amount of talent. I mean, forget about trying to get the top flight talent. That doesn't even matter. You're, even if you don't get them, you're still looking at, you know, four and three and four star kids that fall through the cracks because they're not at the top of the top in terms of Houston. But that's not just, it's not just Houston. You, you, because Houston is so close to Louisiana, Orange, Texas, that, you know, Texas, Louisiana border there, like you can now go over and, you know, just a few hours away from Houston, go into Louisiana. So I think from a, now look, obviously I understand Orlando. I understand UCF has some money. So the, all those pieces are there. I think they're both in, in, in good situations, but I think Houston could be the team that has certainly the highest upside, probably more so from the Tillman Fertitta thing than anything else. So somebody noted when it came to the Big 12 preseason team, something that was very unusual. Your offensive player of the year was not the unanimous pick for first string quarterback. Um, if you think people are mad at you about picking Oklahoma State, as number one, how do you think they're going to find out when they? Find, how do you think they're going to feel when they find out that uh, my offensive player of the year, Jalen Daniels, is not who I had as the first string starting quarterback, Will Howard? Which I understand doesn't make a lot of sense, but um, I needed to put both in there 
And because I think Will Howard, I just like the reasoning is simple. Jalen Howard, Jalen Daniels is going to probably be the most exciting and interesting player in the Big Twelve, and I think for the full season can be the offensive player of the year. He will, st- if he is, he will be the starting quarterback. I just think there'll be an argument because of how much he will do his his legs that like I can see a space where they're both so neck and neck. I needed both on there, so I gave Howard the edge for the quarterback on the team, and Jalen Daniels is just like the player who has the most incredible season. And look, I mean you're rationale and reasoning doesn't make any sense given whoever wins the award is probably going to be the first string all big 12 performer but i i I totally get what you're saying and quite frankly based on what you're saying like if if any year this could happen could possibly happen this year um before i i tell you about my first string quarterback and player of the year um as you know i'm a ku grad ku alum i found it interesting though this offseason how much positive talk there was surrounding Jalen Daniels and award recognition for Jalen when Will Howard, they kind of had the opposite seasons. It's sort of funny. Jalen Daniels was the talk of college football to start the season and he was huge and he was, he lit it up and then he got hurt and he did come back and he did play well against Arkansas in their bowl game. But Will Howard had the opposite season. He didn't play it at the front end. Adrian Martinez gets hurt. He gets thrust into the action and he finished so strong. I mean, he led Kansas state to the big 12 championship and, and they don't do it without him. So it's sort of funny. Like Jalen Daniels was the story talk of the conference to start the year. And Will Howard ended the season as the talk of the conference, but I don't know that he got as much love nationally as he probably should have gotten. I think Will Howard is vastly underrated. Now, look, this is a guy that, that, he initially started and had some adversity and we weren't really sure what his upside was. And he came in and showed that, but how will defenses now adjust to him after the success that he had last year? And will, you know, will he already be accustomed to making some adjustments based on what he had to do after starting as a true freshman? Look, I'm, I'm as big on Will Howard as anybody. Um, and especially again, given, I think he's severely underrated right now. I think D- Jalen Daniels, as much as this pains me to say, is almost more overrated right now because we're not factoring in how good Will Howard was down the stretch when Jalen Daniels was nowhere to be found, quite frankly. Daniels was great at the beginning of the year, but but faded at the end. Uh, Will Howard was incredible at the end of the season and led K-State to a, uh, to a Big 12 championship. Uh, now, with that being said, based on who I picked to win the conference, you can probably guess who I picked to be the offensive player of the year and the first string quarterback. Alan Bowman? <laughs> ding, ding, ding. I mean, I'm not going to go off the mat, right? If, if Oklahoma no. State wins the Big 12... Yeah, Alan Bowman will have to have put up a Herculean performance that would make him the offensive player of the year and the first string quarterback. So I'm going down with that shit. Uh, that's fine. Hey, that, you know what? It makes sense if you pick Oklahoma State to pick Alan Bowman. Um, the the athletic article interviewing him and discussing how OSU is basically melding Texas Tech's offense with Michigan. When offense. Bruce Feldman writes about you, something's going well. And by the way, I did this pick before I read that article by Bruce Feldman. Very good, very good. Uh, which was an incredible article. Like it, absolutely great. Um, we'll see if Bowman, who has not played a full season healthy, uh, can do so in Stillwater behind an offensive line that I have questions about. True. Uh, okay, so oh, just kind of running through uh, defensive player of the year, Jalen Ford. Nothing shocking there. Newcomer of the year, Trishawn Ward at Kansas State. Um, well, I want your question on on fullback because it's always weird to me that the Big Twelve media poll includes uh, a fullback and a tight end and three wide receivers in a conference where the fullback, like some teams use it, some teams kind of use it. I always stick a running back there. Cause I'm always like, there's typically a running back, a third running back. I want to include 
that there's only two spots for. So I had uh, Aiden Robbins of BYU and Devin Neal of Kansas. And I took CJ Danielson or not CJ Danielson, CJ Donaldson of West Virginia at my fullback because I just like, I thought he was so impressive last year and knowing Very. his transition from a tight end, having another off season, even with how concerned I am about West Virginia. Like, I just think another year as a running back and now taking over as the starting running back, like it's his, that's his room. I think he's just going to be awesome this year at West Virginia. No love for Richard Reese. I didn't put Richard Reese in. No. Wow. What's wrong with Richard Reese? Nothing. I just I I liked I liked who I liked. I liked Aiden Robbins. I thought he could be a lot of fun. Uh, Richard. You're Reese, like you're the one that picked Oklahoma State, you moron. What are you questioning my picks? <laughs> Alan Bowman is offensive player of the year. Question my no. Why not? Reese. Let's have fun. Max Duggan. All right. Who had Max yeah. Duggan on the board last year? Why not? Um, I've got Ben Sinnott. Um, the K-State tight end at this spot uh, because, simply because I probably could have put a third running back in there, but this seemed like the Ben Sinnott award. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a guy that is shows, illustrates what makes K-State so good in terms of development and, and, and whatnot. He was a, you know, a, a guy that wasn't even on scholarship. He's a walkout. It's not under scholarship. He's become a huge piece to their success. And um, I, he's a tight end, but I put him in at fullback. He's my tight end. That's my, that was my time. I went JT Sanders. I went JT Sanders there. Jatavian Sanders from Texas. Absolutely. I, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I just, like, I just, I liked, I like Senate. Like I, he's in our, like, I, we put out our, our graphic on Instagram. No, I, or like five players to like underweighted players. And I'm just like, I think he can have a big year for, for, no question. Because like, who all's catching passes at Kansas State this year? Right. Totally. I agree. And that's why for me, like, I could have put a third running back, but I kind of felt like two tight ends makes more sense considering it's JT Sanders and Ben Sennett. Last year was the year I thought we were going to have the tight end breakout in the Big 12 because you had all these t- – uh, uh, you right. had um, Baylor at Texas Tech and um, uh, the other guy from – or was that the AM Church? They had a, like Texas Tech and Baylor and Kansas State, and there's these teams talking about tight ends. And it didn't quite happen the way I thought it would. And then it still just feels like it's a position that is kind of coming back around slowly in the Big 12. I mean, you see Oklahoma State splitting the Cowboy back back up into having a, an actual tight end and having an actual uh, fullback. And so it does feel like a position. And I think putting two tight ends is, was, is smart by you. It's a position group I feel like is starting to get used more in the Big 12 in part to counter the change in defensive schemes that we've seen across the board in the conference. So I, yeah, I, I think, I, I think two Titans is good. Um, yeah. All right. Offensive line. I mean, I, I, nothing too surprising. Mike Nowitzki, Cooper Beebe, Zach Frazier, Kingsley, Suomata. I got to figure out how to say that last name. Uh, Suomatea, I think that's right. And Kelvin Banks, like nothing, nothing too surprising. Um, yeah, Cooper Beebe, Kelvin Banks, Mike Davitsky, Leviston, um, KT Leviston from, from K-State was one of my other ones. And then Andrew Rahm from Oklahoma was my other one. Mm, very nice. Very nice. Okay. Um, I like, I'm trying to think of, okay, hold on. Let me see where. I, I think that was the toughest group to pick. I think offensive line in the big 12 is the deepest position group in the conference. We're, I'm prepping my like position group ranking stuff. So we're going to do DBs yeah. and offensive line receivers. I think it's the deepest offensive line group we've had in a while because I think you have everything you bring back from Kansas State. You have everything at Texas, which is was young. It is only getting better. West Virginia brings a bunch of studs back. Kansas has a pretty good offensive line. Oklahoma always does. I think UCF is a little bit underrated. Like, and then I think 
there are individual guys who are studs for a number of teams, even though the full unit's not awesome. Like I think offensive line, the big 12 this year is the deepest overall like unit in the conference. And that's like this big 12. There's a bunch of great running backs. There's a bunch of great wide receivers. I just think it's the best group uh, group of offensive linemen we've seen in this conference in a while. You know, it is. And what's interesting is Phil, (coughs) excuse me, Phil Steele and his positional rankings, did not have the Big 12 very highly in any of those positional rankings and actually had the Big 12 ranked fifth out of the Power Five in terms of his overall conference rankings, which is based on those individual positional group rankings, but had four, I believe, four top 15 teams out of the Big 12 in his offensive line rankings, mm-hmm. only two SEC teams, only two Big 10 teams. So where the Big 12 has recently lacked, which Big Ugly's up front, it seems like this is a year where they're leading the charge in terms of having the most NFL ready type guys. And so, I mean, I think that speaks very well for the conference. I don't know how you can have the conference be that good along offensive lines and then not be much better uh, overall offensively, because I like, that seems like a big, big indication of whether or not you're going to be successful. Uh, I agree. All right, let's look at uh, defensive line. Um, I agreed on Dante Corleone. Uh, I agreed on Ethan Downs. Uh, where I differed a few spots, I had Gabe Hall from Baylor. I had Byron Murphy from Texas and Khalid Duke from Kansas State, as opposed to Dominic Williams from TCU. Uh, oh, no, I had, we both had Byron Murphy and, and Jalen Hutchins from Texas Tech. No, Colin Oliver for you? Colin Oliver's a linebacker now. Yeah. and, and He's Khalid, a linebacker on the team. He's and a Khalid Duke's a, a defensive end now. Why can't they just be both? I put Colin Oliver in my defensive line, okay? The dude's going to rush the passer and he should be rushing the passer. He's really good at it. This, this is the one thing that the Big 12 is like, all right, we have, like, you're putting five defensive linemen on the team. Who's starting five defensive linemen in the Big 12? Yeah. You've right. got a lot of 3-3-5, three, three, right? right. So you got, three. You're doing 3-3-5, three, three, but let's let's go ahead and put five defensive linemen. I'm like, okay, well, there's going to be a line. And there were debates, oh, like, with, with Baylor two years ago. And I was like, was he it? I was literally, like, texting guys who cover teams like okay is he a line a defensive lineman a defensive end a linebacker he's like um yes and i'm like great <laughs> let me just go ahead and let me put pencil him in as all three excellent thank you so much uh so you get five defensive linemen uh off uh, linebacker i've got jalen ford colin oliver of course and uh and danny stutzman was who i had uh and that uh that does not line up because colin oliver johnny hodges and, uh, and jalen ford so i had stutzman over hodges so I had Oliver in my defensive line because I just can't keep track of where these guys are going. And Kyle <laughs> Oliver and as a freshman had like a boatload of sacks. So rushed the passer. One of the guys I think is severely underrated is Bothroyd from Oklahoma. I put him on my defensive line. I think this is a guy that everybody's going to remember at the end of the year. Um, I had Desan McCullough as a linebacker. He's actually my defensive player of the year also in the conference. The transfer, but he's not, this is, this is an interesting one, uh, but he is not my newcomer of the year. Hmm. He's a newcomer. He's a Desamacola is a transfer from Indiana to Oklahoma. who was a monster last year. I actually have um, uh, Treshawn. Um, what's the Kansas state running back? Whose name is Treshawn Ward. Ward. Yeah. Who's my, he's my newcomer of the year. Cause I just think six, almost seven yards of carry. And um, in that offense that needs a good running back, I think he's perfect anyways. So I have McCullough. I also had Jalen Ford at linebacker. Gabe Hall was another guy I had. Tavondre Sweat from Texas was another one of my defensive linemen. So I think I went off the board a little bit on some of these picks. No, I just like, again, like, for, for Colin Oliver, for Oklahoma State, like, you're going from a 4-2-5 to a 3-3-5. Three, three, 
So Colin Oliver just moved to linebacker because they like, and that is the thing of like, if you're going to have five defensive linemen in a conference, are we going to use three? Right. Right. <laughs> Why are we doing this? How many, how many hybrid D N D E L B uh, D T's do we have in this conference? There's a few. So just use linebacker and defensive line, how you wish to get the guys you want. Into right. The first team. Right. Right. Uh, defensive backs. Let's see. Uh, I got to switch back and forth here between the original. I had TJ Tampa, Kendall Daniels, Kobe Savage, Jalen Catalan, and Josh Newton, uh, which is. All right. So they had Kobe Bryant in the official one. Uh, and I had, I can't see which one's different. So I have Catalan Catalan. Okay. So that's the difference. I have Billy Bowman, Bo Freeler, Josh Newton, and TJ Tampa. Oh, also Kenny Logan. From Kansas, who was a first-team All-Conference player last year, and somehow did not find his way on the preseason list. I know, I know. I like. It was so hard with somebody to be like, well, and then, and then, and right? Gotta leave out, and then. This is probably the if if offensive line is not the best. This is probably the this is probably the best. Defensive backs you, and offensive line. What you need in this in this conference? Yeah, there's so many guys that have to play on an island and play multiple, and and so, but like I think. The talent, I think this does speak to the talent level of like, you can make arguments across the board of like, well, so-and-so should have been in there. Like, okay. I'm not, right. not going to argue with a lot right. of them. Like, I'm, I'm right. just not. Um, and I, now my rule is always, if you're going to put in one, you got to explain why the other one should go. But it's just like, there's so much. It's made me reevaluate one thing, which was like, it feels like this is the, one of the reasons Oklahoma, because their schedule is so easy. Good job, Big 12. Um, this season, why they're picked like preseason three. I do think schedule is the reason Oklahoma is preseason number three is because that schedule is so easy. Um, but because the feeling's been like the Big 12 is on a down cycle. Like, the, like last year was an up cycle and this year, because I'm like, okay. I'm not as high on Texas Tech as the dark horse as I was Kansas State as the dark horse last year. Like it just does, I still feel like they're like a year away. They've got a lot of good things about them. They should have a great year. They could get there because again, I think nine and three with tiebreaker could do it. But I'm 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 coming back to Randall like we lost a lot of good players. It still feels like there's a ton of good players, and this team, this this preseason team, barely has anybody from the four newcomers. I mean, you, what is it like three? No, four. Because BYU had two, Cincinnati had one, Houston, no, Houston UCF didn't have any, which is insane. Right. Uh, I don't. I mean, I didn't have a UCF. I had I had Matthew Golden from Houston in mine, Aiden Robbins from BYU. Uh, Dante Corleone from Cincinnati, Mason Fletcher from Cincinnati, and then and then Kingsley from BYU. But I didn't have a UCF playing through it. Because do you think that's just, we just don't think they have the talent? Or you come into the Big 12, and Big 12 media is making this poll, and Big 12 media knows the Big 12, they don't know the four newcomers as much. That's what it is. It's 100% yeah. that. These are guys we've watched, and we, ne- we never watched Deshaun Pace from Cincinnati. We never watched Trayvon Morris Brash from, from UCF. So... That, that's 100% what it is. It's This is the Big 12 media that's voting on it. There's just not enough media members from UCF, BYU, Houston, and Cincinnati that are voting on it. And with these are guys we know and we saw last year, and so we're expecting them to be really good again this year. There will easily be more players from the four newcomers on the pre- postseason team than there were on the program. Yeah. Just because we're actually able to see them and, and, and familiarize ourselves with them. So that's, that's, nothing, yeah. that's nothing shocking. All right, uh, I know you got to get out of here. Um, you've got some stuff to do, but I, I, before you go, I've got to I've got to ask you this question. Um, 
I, there is, I don't think there's a bigger drama I've been banging louder this offseason than this point. And it never started since uh, we had Ryan Nani on the podcast and asked him, I was like, can you think of any time in the history of college football like what we're dealing with the Big 12? And he's like, even the Big East is doesn't have a, a true comparable season because you've got four teams coming in. You've got two schools who want to get the hell out of here who are ready to go. You've got uh, 10 teams, like eight teams who are like, okay, well, you're here one more year, like, please leave. Uh, we don't need those two teams to win the conference. That's the nightmare scenario. You've got rivalries renewed. I mean, Texas has to go to Houston. Texas literally has avoided, done everything they can to avoid even having to play Houston. And Houston is just chomping at the bit to be able to be host them and have them in their conference for a season. You've got the last bedlam for who knows how long. You've got every Texas team getting a shot at Texas for the last time in probably a very long time. You've got TCU and BYU who used to play in the same conference. You've got Cincinnati and West Virginia who used to play in the same conference. All of these things combined, not to mention the most competitive conference in college football where we've got two teams picked to finish one and two and they're very unlikely to actually get there no matter what we actually think. There's no Alabama in here. There's no Ohio State. There's no there's no Georgia. There's no Michigan. There's no Clemson. It's the most competitive top to bottom. It will have the highest floor of any conference at the bottom of the conference. Like, I don't know a better way to ask this than just like, this is going to be the best single conference season we have ever seen in college football. And there was never been anything like it. And there never will be anything like it because of all the different ingredients you've thrown into the stew. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that's far fetched. I mean, you know, I, I think you start with what we started this conversation on and that is that this has been a league of parody and that there's no reason to expect it to be any different this season until we see a team have dominance like Oklahoma had for a six year stretch there. You know, it looks like it's going to continue to be a, a league of parity. So you start there. You obviously, you know, enter the, the the reality that four new teams are in, two teams are leaving. You've got, you know, conference realignment floating in the air and questions about who could potentially be joining the conference in future seasons. And you've got a a, a guy like Brett Yormark. I'm telling you, be listening to his press conference. This is not going to be like a Bob Bowlesby press conference on Wednesday. I'm telling you, something's going to happen on Wednesday. He's going to say something that's going to be newsworthy on Wednesday during his state of the Big 12 address. So make sure you're paying attention to that because – He's a wild card, and and the decisions he makes and the things that he does could um, could make a huge impact in this conference. So there's a lot there. So yeah, I, I think you're right. There's just a lot at stake, a lot of in, intrigue, and um, should be a lot of fun for the Big Twelve football season this year. Uh, I like you need to, everybody just just watch as many games as you can. Like I like I know you're gonna watch your teams. That's great. And some of you're like I don't care what happens in the rest of the conference. That's fine. Just understand like oh, you Texas are leaving. This is your last shot to watch other teams beat them. Like, right. You're going to get your first taste of the four new teams who are joining, who are just chomping at the bit at the opportunity to finally play a Power 5 schedule and prove that they belong in the Power 5. I just, like, there's so many elements and so many characters. This is a, this is, this is like, um, like the fourth book from a, a Game of Thrones series. Like, I don't, I can't keep track of all the characters and all the plot lines, and everybody's <laughs> trying to go for the throne. There's so many different reasons from all over the place, and who the hell knows? And someone's going to get stabbed in the back because they're trying to burn everything to the ground, Texas. I just, I don't, I, you know, <laughs> Big 12 refs will have it out for somebody. Uh, your market more of a gangster than Bowlesby will make sure that the, the worst case nightmare doesn't happen. I just, I think this season's going to be awesome. I cannot wait for it to get here. Uh, man, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Ari, uh, yes, as always, as always, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for asking, buddy. Appreciate you. Of course. Uh, do me a favor. Where can everybody check out everything you do covering the Big 12? 
Yeah, make sure to check out uh, Big 12 Radio. It's channel 375. Um, and we'll be at Big 12 Media Days Wednesday and Thursday with full coverage, talking to all the coaches and players and administrators and, and fun stuff. And uh, you can also follow me on Twitter, R-A-I Sports. I'm on threads, but something tells me that Twitter is going to be really the continued go-to and that um, though there's 100,000 active users that joined it in like 45 seconds, I don't know that anybody's actually active on there. I'm not. I'm still on Twitter. So find me there. And until threads can be used on, on desktop, I think for some stuff like that, like Twitter is still the go-to. Um, I'll be paying attention. It's going to be a lot of fun. Enjoy it, yeah. sir. I'll be at Bluey Live. You can tell. We'll, we'll text about it afterwards. <laughs> Can't wait to hear how that went. I love Bluey. Great show. Podcast Network.